whether you're an SEO affiliate, traditional, or you're a performance marketer. Um, I think the minimum requirements are the operator needs to have the ability or the partner needs to have the ability to pass dynamic variables. There's a reason why five UTM parameters on Google is the standard, um, because that's typically how, how many levels down you need to go in order to be able to optimize effectively. Um, that does not exist currently with the, with the current solutions that most of these operators have deployed. So that is a table stake for most performance marketers. If you don't have that, they can't do the analysis and optimization on their end that they need to be able to do. Therefore, they're starting off on the wrong foot. I'm John Wright, and you're listening to Affiliate BI, the business intelligence and affiliate marketing podcast brought to you by Statstrom. Welcome to Affiliate BI podcast. We got a special guest here, Alan Stone. I've known him for a couple of years, and he's the, the founder of Intelytics. So I'm going to pass it over to you to tell us about yourself. Hey, John. How's it going? Um, thanks for having me. Uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, yeah, so I'm the co-founder and CEO of Intelytics. Um, Intelytics was born out of a desire to, actually not a desire, more of a need to build technology for the real money gaming space that would allow us to answer some very complex, challenging problems uh, when it came to deploying campaigns at scale on behalf of operators. Um, so trying to understand user acquisition cost at scale across channels and sources, um, but not just that, looking at what those users were actually worth post-acquisition. So being able to be very intelligent with um, impression to conversion to retention and monetization of those players over time uh, so we could make better informed decisions on where we were buying customers, which campaigns we were going to be scaling, and which campaigns uh, to turn off. So, I mean, what you just said there, I mean, if we were at a conference and we're talking about the this, this same stuff like five or 10 years ago, people would be like, okay, that's kind of like a necessary evil. I mean, like we need tracking, we need all of that. Um, what have you seen over the last, maybe it's five or 10 years where there's been a big change in interest where affiliate program software isn't just a necessity. There's a lot of power behind it in terms of like, you know, what data operators need and what can be done with it. Yeah, I think... Um... I think this industry is unique in that it is, you know, it is sort of a, if you build it, they will come, right? Uh, you know, Benny and gaming, gambling, however you want to call it, it's it's an inherently it's an entertainment product, and people want to engage in entertainment products, and so that that mentality I think was born a little bit out of, hey, if you can set up a brand and do things right, you'll you'll just make money no matter what. Um, I, I think the shift has come in two sort of when we look at it, there's two very sort of distinct. Um, catalysts that have caused that shift. Number one is the shift in consumer behavior. So instead of sitting down and engaging in a you know long form entertainment sessions where they were sitting there for hours on end, um, you know the shift to mobile caused um, you know a difference in, in how consumers interacted with brands and content. And so that that shift was one of those was one of those moves. I think the second one was the fact that our industry is maturing and now you look at the big players and they're all publicly traded. Right. And so there's a very, there's a very different um, mindset to growth or to scaling businesses when you have a public market to answer to. I think those two, if we were to look at it, those would be the sort of the two biggest catalysts for, okay, the software and the solutions that exist need to become more data driven and more intelligent. Um, and they need to do so in a way that is scalable beyond what we had seen up to call it the last five years, right? Um, 
I think those two things are really major or, or really what's driving this. Um, you look at sort of the current, and those are historical, right? You, you know, that consumer shift happened around 2012. Uh, and then the, more recently, I'd say in the last six years, when, when a lot of these affiliates plus operators were, were going public, um, even in the last three years, I think the macro environment that we find ourselves in now and what's driving sort of this, the topic and the desire more recently has been uh, the culmination of those things happening at the same time. So you have the bottom-up pressure of not only affiliates, but other marketing partners really putting pressure on operators to have better technology and give them better solutions to be able to be more intelligent with what's working, what's not. Um, and then again, you just have the, the public market pressure now of, hey, um, we, as, we as a public, we as shareholders want to see more... Um, more diligence around where you're spending money and what you're actually getting for the money you're spending. And so I think those two things really are starting to come to a head right now. I mean, really in the last two quarters. Yeah. And it's really interesting that, I mean, even with the affiliate groups where they're public and a lot of them are sharing uh, certain types of data where it's a breakdown of the revenue. Um, what would you say like are the differences between performance marketing affiliates and I think what we want to call everyone else is more SEO affiliates. I mean, we're starting to see more of these numbers show up in these reports and companies saying, you know, this is actually a more important segment and starting to maybe grow bigger than SEO. Yeah, look, I think we have the fortunate um, insight to having done a lot of business outside of gaming. And so I think what you're starting to see is the gaming industry catch up to every other vertical. Um, yeah, again, I think it's a lot of it's driven by consumer behavior, right? Um, consumers are less likely to sit down and read a 4,000 word review on, you know, a particular slot game. They're more interested in finding out, hey, it, I play this way. I'm looking for this type of bonus and I'm looking for this type of, uh, of uh, uh, an experience with a brand. Which brands provide that to me, right? Um, so I think, I think the shift that you're starting to see happen or the maturity that you're starting to see happen really more than anything is, um, the consumer behavior is moving in a way that allows for more quote unquote performance marketers versus the traditional SEO affiliates um, to enter the space. Now, I think, I think that those guys are, um, I think there was a, a push around 2018, 2019. And so I think a lot of those guys got a bad taste in their mouth because again, the technology didn't exist then. It wasn't widely adopted at that point by most operators. But I think what you're seeing is, um, uh, a desire from the operators to expand their channels beyond what they're currently getting. They have to continue to grow. And uh, I think what you're seeing is, again, there's just the, the tailwinds in the industry in general. Um, a lot of these non-traditional performance marketers are looking at the, the betting industry saying, okay, well now maybe they've come, maybe they've matured a little bit more. Maybe there's some opportunity for us to re-engage and test. Um, but in terms of the difference, to be fair, I think the gap is closing in the, in, in the difference. What I mean by that is, you know, even the guys who have high intent SEO, they're, they're being very methodical and scientific around, okay, I'm going to spend money to um, improve my content, add additional resources, do all those things. They're trying to get as granular with that return on investment as the operator is, and definitely as granular as those performance marketers, traditional performance marketers are, because they're paying for every click that they're delivering. And so they need to know in as close to real time as possible, if I paid to buy this impression that resulted in a click, um, am I going to get a return on that investment? Um, because that, that player is going to actually convert. 
And then how do I do that at scale? So, um, I, I got two questions. Uh, one is like, what kind of tools do affiliates need or performance marketing affiliates need that aren't always provided with uh, a lot of the operators? And the, the other one is kind of like, uh, what's your take in terms of like, how many, like, we know that like, there's like thousands of online casinos out there, but I've talked to quite a few that they're not really tapped into the performance marketing space and they don't really know what values there. And I have talked to some operators which say, um, they almost want to keep this a secret, like, you know, stay out of the space because it's really good right now. So what's your take on both of those angles? So in terms of tech, we, we always refer to it as table stakes. And I don't think to me, it doesn't matter if you're, again, we don't differentiate between the two. I think it's table stakes across the board, whether you're an SEO affiliate, traditional, or you're a performance marketer. Um, I think the minimum requirements are you need to have the ability, the operator needs to have the ability or the partner needs to have the ability to pass dynamic variables um, and not just one, not just two, up to five. So think of, think of it the same way as Google has UTM parameters, right? There's a reason why five UTM parameters on Google is the standard um, because that's typically how, how many levels down you need to go in order to be able to optimize effectively. Um, that does not exist currently with the, with the current solutions that most of these operators have deployed. So that is a table stake for most performance markers. If you don't have that, they can't do the analysis and optimization on their end that they need to be able to do. Therefore, they're starting off on the wrong foot. I think just as important, um, and maybe even critically more so, is a real-time feedback loop on the data of what actions are be being taken post-click. So I deliver a user, they get to the landing page, they fill out page one, boom, that action was taken, trigger. Uh, they complete a full registration, that's trigger number two. And now they've funded an account and made a, a successful first deposit. That's trigger number three. Those three things we view as, again, table stakes. If you don't have those three things, then most performance marketers aren't going to take you seriously and they're not even going to look at it very seriously at all. Um, and if you want to be successful as an operator with getting those campaigns up and running and successful and being able to optimize them uh, and be able to get as, as much value out of those campaigns as possible, you need those things. You have to be able to have those uh, in place in order to be able to um, effectively make sure that the capital you're deploying is going to be going to be spent properly. Um, I think the sort of third layer we look at a lot of times um, when, when evaluating what creates success and doesn't, uh, it's about the willingness and the desire to provide that data transparency of the post acquisition performance of those players. So, hey, you know, if you've got a performance marketing partner and there's a, you know, you're expecting a certain number of players to be delivered at a certain cost, it's not just about can I acquire those players for that cost? It's about am I, can I acquire those players for that cost? But then how are those players performing over time with the product once they're there? Um, and most performance marketers want to know that. They want to know, hey, I, I need to optimize my campaigns for a post-acquisition performance metric. What is it? What can we normalize it to so that's easily transferable and digestible, not something very complex, something very simple and, and attainable um, that give us as a partner the right indicator that we're sending you the right players. Um, and that's, again, those are, the, those are the three sort of categories of what we call table stakes. Like, hey, you have to be doing these things as an operator if you want to have any, any chance of success uh, in, in being a profitable operator in any sort of competitive environment.
Yeah, no, it makes sense. I mean, I've talked to a lot of different software providers that do things like, you know, postbacks and dynamic variable tracking, and it's the same conversations. Uh, these operators are being dragged to these software companies saying, we won't work with you unless you have the setup. So go get it set up and then then we can actually have a discussion. And it's, yeah. uh, I think it's um, maybe not the the right way of going about it, but it's still getting the job done where this this still has to happen. Yeah, I think... I think what's interesting from an operator's perspective and the feedback that we've gotten is that, look, it's not just the performance marketers. It's not just your existing SEO partners that are delivering you great players right now that could benefit from this. The, the, the money you're deploying internally, the third party creative agency that you're using, the, um, the SE or the PPC agency that you're using, or, you know, your internal PPC team, right? Um, all of those teams will benefit from these because these, these table stakes are not just for affiliates. This is digital marketing. This is digital marketing 101 table stakes. This is not performance marketing table stakes. Like if you're spending money at all, whether it's affiliates, performance marketers, uh, you know, influencer campaigns or your own Facebook campaigns, you, you've got to be, you have to have these things in place in order to be able to have the campaign work and optimize. Exactly. And uh, next, I want to go into what do you think is going to be changing or has to change in the next few years, both in performance marketing and in affiliate marketing? Yeah. Um, so more broadly or specifically for our space? Um, I kind of want to say both, but let's start with the, let's start with iGaming first. Yeah. So, so in iGaming, I think what you're going to see, what needs to happen is a greater adoption of the right technology and data stack to get those um, table stakes in place. I think once that's there, um, a greater understanding of the partnerships that are available. So looking at partnerships as less transactional. So, so a lot of times operators are looking at their affiliate or performance partners as just acquisition partners, right? Um, I think you're going to start to see as the market consolidates in terms of who the operators are, uh, and also consolidates in terms of who is controlling what um, access to to which you know which customers, um, and then as well as the the shift in consumer privacy and lack of third party cookies, all of those things are leading to the evolution of the partnerships from purely acquisition to acquisition plus additional reach into those players. Right, um, the conversations that we see happening in North America specifically is okay, we need to grow net new users, but we also need to grow our share of wallet within the existing user base we already have. Um, how can those quote, how can those performance partners or affiliate partners who you originally thought of as primarily or, or exclusively an acquisition partner, how do those relationships evolve to, into something that is acquisition plus um, you know, retention or, or ongoing you know, promotion? Um, and the, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, rev share. Right, tie everyone order at Revture. I think that's very complex. I think at the end of the day, again, talk about the fact that these operators are publicly traded. A revenue share partnership immediately moves that that relationship into a liability column as opposed to uh, OpEx. So I think there's a I think there's headwinds there. I think there's more creative ways to get it done um, where you're creating alignment between the two, you know, all the stakeholders. Um, but it's not something that's going to end up potentially having the chance to be one side of either way, either in favor of the operator or, or the partner. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a lot more 
sort of dynamic partnerships evolve or dynamic commercial arrangements inside of those partnerships starting to evolve. Um, I think you're going to continue to see more, uh, more consolidation around where consumers are spending their dollars. I think the thing that our industry tends to forget is we're competing against other verticals, right? Everyone knows that a better has high intent and can spend money and right. And so as much as, you know, when you talk to an operator, they're like, we want to be number one, you know, within our industry, or we want to beat out X, Y, and Z partner. It's like, well, yeah, but you're still competing with everyone else. Who's also competing for those eyeballs. And a lot of times those guys are more savvy. They have less friction in their conversion flow. Uh, and so they're going to be able to out compete you from a dollars and cents perspective, uh, even though they have a product that, that is not as high of a lifetime value is not as long or as engaging as a lifetime value, but they're able to uh, move more nimbly and, and take advantage of that high intent of a user to purchase, right? Um, so I think you're going to start to see more operators, I, at least we're hoping, look and feel and act more like a, you know, some of these larger e-commerce brands where it's highly personalized, highly driven based on user engagement and not this cookie cutter, one size fits all, you show up to my sports book and I'm putting the promotion of whatever event is happening that weekend, right? It's going to be highly tailored user experience. And that's going to flow through everything from the initial banner on acquisition down to what's the, what's the SMS messaging that I'm delivering to this customer to get them to come and re-engage in the product. Yeah, you're spot on that. I mean, when you look at e-commerce, everything looks like advanced. And then when you look at iGaming, you're like, wait a minute, it's yeah. uh, two different worlds. As an affiliate marketer, you'll want to celebrate your first sale, learn about a drop in clicks and revenue, discover new brands, be notified when programs close, see an increase in earnings per click, identify underperforming campaigns. Your affiliate programs won't tell you when these things happen, but we will. Whether good things are happening to your business or bad, we are here for you and we've got your back. Statsdrone is the number one affiliate CRM tool that helps you get your data, manage your biz with CRM tools, and analyze data with business intelligence. Visit statsdrone.com or find the link in the show notes. Yeah, the interesting thing is iGaming actually has a better, if you look at, you know, if you break that down and you understand the engagement of a product entertainment like iGaming versus a versus a, a, just a straight sale of a product, there are so many more opportunities for personalization in iGaming because every player engages in a different way and, and, and there's just so much more rich data available to the operators to understand, okay, what really makes this person tick, you know? Um, these e-commerce, are, there's just way less signal that, that they're better at it and they're more, the user experience is more personalized and more engaging even though they are, um, you know, they have way less signal than an operator, than a gaming operator would have based on how those customers are engaging with their product. Yeah, it's very true. I have two more questions that are more discussion points, and this is my opportunity to, to pick your brain. Uh, okay. First one is this idea that most iGaming affiliate sites, they always focus on a sign-up bonus, and it's very rare that you see anyone focus on retention. Do you think with some of the tools that are available today, we'd actually be able to have better retargeting of that user where it's like, hey, they've already signed up to that brand, whether it's BetMGM or whatever. 
and they're able to see a different offer that might be more like 10 times more useful for from retention because mm-hmm. you see a player that's maybe uh, signed up to four out of 10 sites on a listing it's they're getting the same offer over and over again it's it's kind of like a marketing message that it just falls a bit flat what do you yeah. what do you think could actually change here would this be more pixel tracking to be possibly involved yeah i don't know Pic- pixels might not be the right solution to it but yeah i mean more again the more advanced the technology the operators are deploying at scale the more opportunities for that type of personalization at the affiliate or performance or partner level is going to get right um you you sort of hit the nail on the head there right if i'm if i'm in a and this technology exists now like we do this um where if a player hits my site and i got them to convert at whatever sports book when they come to my site again i'm not showing them the offer wall with that promotion or any promotion, quite frankly, we are sort of obsessed with that retention. Like, hey, we know that this player converted with operator A. We're going to make sure that all the ads on site are now, to your point, retention ads. It's not sign up bonus. It's not, it's, hey, come back and play and we'll give you an additional, you know, $20 back or whatever, right? It's all retention oriented. I think the holy grail of that, and this is what we're pushing towards and exploring all kinds of technologies, how do we how do we tie the ability to deep link into exactly what that user was engaging with when they were last time they were on that operator's book? So similar, you know, again, use the e-commerce example. If I'm browsing for a particular product and I go there and I view, I view a product on a site. Now, when I'm seeing ads for that brand, I'm not seeing ads for the brand. I'm seeing ads for the particular product I was looking for. Or if I add it to my cart and I abandon, right? Um, there are very specific ways that you can target that user who abandoned a cart. Say, hey, come back in today. We'll give you free shipping. And you drive them directly into the cart with the item there ready to go, right? That level of personalization, again, does, has not, it hasn't reached mass adoption by the operators. Um, and I think it's, I think it's coming. And that, that is the type of user experience. Look, that's, that's the ultimate user experience you're going to, you're going to achieve. And it, Historically, that was done with pixels. It doesn't have to be done with pixels. This stuff, the technology exists now where all this stuff can be done in the back end um, where you just know like, okay, cool, this is where this user's at. This is how it works. Um, it doesn't have to be cookie based. And that's not third party based either. That's the other thing. The technology exists now to be first party or zero party data exists to be able to do that as an operator. You do not have to rely on third parties telling you um, what that what that user's interest is, um, which is, is going to be even more critical going forward with all the different privacy policy changes that are happening both domestically and abroad. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is the, that is the Holy grail. And I think we're moving that in that direction. Um, but it, it starts again, it just starts with the operators and their technology. They have as savvy as we as partner publishers or, or marketers want to get on their behalf. At the end of the day, we're still, we are limited in what we're going to be able to do for them based on their technology. Um, for me, anecdotally, it's why I'm excited to see someone like Fanatics, right? Like Fanatics already has that level of technology deployed on their e-commerce. If they can take that level of personalization and understanding of consumers' interests and layer that successfully into a sports betting environment, it's going to be it's going to be very compelling. Um, you know, the argument uh, I hear a lot of people say, "Well, yeah, but you can't move those." You know, so because someone bought a jersey doesn't mean they're better. I yeah, sure, I agree. It's going to be a very, you know, it's going to be some percentage of their user base are going to be known betters, and they're going to be able to move them. It could be small percentage, could be significant percentage. Jury's still out. But what I do know is that they have the technology infrastructure and the consumer insight understanding 
to, doesn't matter if it's 1% or it's 10% or it's 30%, they're going to be able to extract maximum value out of those players because they understand how to create an engaging user experience that speaks directly to that player. Yeah, I think uh, with that answer, I could probably ask another 20 questions, but we'll definitely save that for another day. That's, that's very interesting. Uh, the next discussion question I have is, you know, we're in the B2B space and there's a lot of buzz about, you know, self-reported attribution where uh, there's so many touch points in the B2B uh, context. And I rarely hear about this in the B2C space where you're, you're B2B in working with operators, but you're making enterprise software that's total B2C. Um, do you think there's a time and place for self, self-reported attribution? Does this make sense in, in the B2C space? Yeah, I mean, you're starting to see it already a little bit. Um, I, I think that the challenge is going to be in who do you trust, right? Like that self-attribution creates a uh, – it just creates it creates opacity in the, in the data curve, right? Um, and then you start getting into incrementality and these guys self-attributed here, these guys self-attributed here. You're already seeing it, right? Like with Facebook and Google and running those, they already self-attribute, right? Um, so then that's one of the challenges that we have when we work with operators do is, okay, where do you give the proper attribution, right? Cause Facebook saying that they delivered it and Google saying they deliver it and they're both right. At the end of the day, that user probably did touch both of those things. So what does that user journey look like and how do you get that attribution model down properly? Um, I think our, our opinion and our thesis on it to this point has been, that type of attribution modeling and incrementality and those really sort of marketing level 400 buzzwords really don't start to become impactful until you get the marketing one-on-one stuff done. And that's what we tell operators like, Hey, there's a 30, 40, 50% efficiency increase that you could have by just getting the foundational basics table stake stuff done, like working off of a, just a pure last click. Like if you can just get the last click attribution working properly and do that at scale, then you can start to tackle these other more complex problems. Um, because if you don't have that data foundation to begin with, then the challenge is you're making decisions that are either opaque or incorrect, right? Cause you're, you're trying to make very complex data decisioning on how do I, you know, these self attribution plot, these, these guys that are self attributing, um, I need to make sense of who I actually give that, that attribution credit to. Uh, and now you're talking about doing that at scale. You're talking about, doing that where you're spending a thousand, 10,000, a hundred thousand dollars a day. Like you're not going to be able to do that unless you have systems that in place that can, that can start to do that and automate it and you can create rules around it, but you can't start to get an understanding of what rules to even create around it until you understand, Hey, this is the basics of, of what we're, this is where we're spending money and this is what we're getting for it. Then you can start to layer in that complexity because that complexity layering in is it's incremental, it's marginal, right? It's, it's, it's two to three percentage point differences at scale. Um, but those two to three percentage points are, are massive when they start, again, massive at scale. So um, I, you know, the feedback we always give everyone is, guys, there's 50% efficiency that you can create just based on getting back to the foundations. And then let's start to tackle those problems in at a later time when two things are happening. Number one, you've got a better foundational you have a better data foundation to be making those decisions based off of. But number two, there's still a lot of changes happening at the user level that are going to affect, you can make that decision today 
in terms of how you attribute that, you know, who you're going to say, okay, well, Facebook's right, Google's right, whatever. You can, you can, you can make that attribution model today, but it's going to change in the next three months, in the next six months, in the next year based on, okay, how's, when does Google deprecate cookies, right? Because that's going to change that attribution window. When is our additional privacy changes going to come into place from a consumer standpoint where you're now going to have to self-attribute based on the fact that you now know who that person is beyond an IP address or a device ID. It's you have their email address and phone number. There's a different attribution model that you can create there. So from our perspective, we always looked at, well, that's good to be talking about that stuff. And I think we should be thinking about it and you should be building the foundational basis to be able to do that. But there's still so much opportunity to create like massive, we're talking exponential improvements that are much easier to implement than, okay, we're going to now look at some self-attribution, you know, self-attribution windows from these particular partners. Right. And that's the challenge too, is none of that stuff's universal. It's like, well, I treat this partner this way. And then these, these guys self-attribute a different way. How do you, how do you normalize that? Right. So, yeah, I think you'll start to see more of that happening, but we always say there's, there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot more low hanging fruit that will, create massive impact um, if you just sort of know where to look. I agree. And uh, last question is, what do you see of the future of affiliate marketing as it intersects with business intelligence? Yeah, I mean, I think you're, I think we're living it real time. I mean, I think uh, more and more affiliates are, are thinking like You're thinking more and more like uh, public trade, publicly traded companies that are viewing every penny under a microscope. So I, I think the shift that we're seeing is is twofold. It's most marketing, digital marketing now is being bought and sold programmatically, and that includes that it, that even includes SEO, right? Like how guys are looking at their link back strategies, how guys are looking at you know their content deployment strategies. Um, you know, you, you, you look at what what some of the AI is going to do in terms of being able to compile content on the fly based on the user when they're coming in, right? Um, you look at, you know, we've seen this technology. We've built some of this technology actually. With HTML5, now you can compile. You don't have to have static banners. You can actually compile banners in the browser in real time based on all the information that exists, right? So now your creative goes to a database as opposed to, uh, a section, you know, a, a, a group of create a file of creatives. Now you've got, you just put all the different elements of the creative in a database. And then that database compiles the creative on the fly when that user gets to the site. Uh, and then now you can be even more granular with your optimization. Hey, this call to action with this banner, with this headline. Now you can get very, very granular with your optimizations. Um, and so you don't have to rely on, it just, it just speeds up the time to efficiency. So I think what you're going to see, and again, we're already living through this, is as a much more programmatic approach to affiliate and performance marketing. Um, I mean, performance marketing, it says it in the name, it's already, it's performance marketing, right? Uh, you're looking at it from a very different perspective. Um, but I think you're just going to see a lot more granularity around what's working, what's not working. And then I go back to what we, and this shift is happening at every industry, not just ours the move from a transactional based partnership or relationship where it's you, uh, you know, cost per action, CPA cost per action, right? I think these relationships are going to move to a much more dynamic uh, commercial arrangement where there's some sort of CPA component. 
then there's some sort of downstream again, not necessarily rev share, but some other mechanism that's downstream that ends, that creates that alignment between the partnerships. Um, and then I think you're going to see more dynamicism around that. Um, you know, you were moving away from, Hey, I'm going to pay you X for all your traffic. Uh, I, we're getting into this, you know, with smart contracts and the technologies now where I can create an agreement with a, a commercial agreement with a partner where it says, right, I'm going to pay you um, this much for uh, a New Jersey iOS better, but I'm going to pay you this much for a Pennsylvania Air, uh, Android better. And I'm going to pay you this much for uh, an Arizona web-based better. Right. Um, I think the, the dynamic, the dynamic nature of the commercial arrangement between performance partners and the, the operators are going to start to change to key in on what is the value of the player actually delivering me right now. Um, and I, I think that's, that's where the, that's the future. Um, and again, it goes back to how do we get more efficient? How do we create a more closely aligned partnership between all the stakeholders in that funnel? And then how do we um, make sure that everyone's winning at the end of the day, this is an entertainment industry needs to be entertaining how do we make sure that everyone in that that ecosystem is is winning and, and, and enjoying themselves so. and uh, uh can you give us your elevator pitch for intolytics and let everyone know how can they get a hold of you yeah so intolytics we solve the very complex problem of customer acquisition to lifetime value um across channels across device types across verticals um at the end of the day, our job is to help operators be more efficient with the capital they're deploying to acquire customers and to help the marketing partners in that ecosystem be as efficient as possible and create maximum yield for all the stakeholders in that funnel. Um, how can they get a hold of me? Uh, my email is alan, A-L-L-A-N, at intolytics.com. You can go to the website. Um, we try to show up at all the shows. We try to be everywhere we can be. We're on LinkedIn. You know, find us. You, you, you should be able to find us. <laughs> Yeah, we'll include all those links in the show notes as well. Yeah. Alan, uh, thank you so much for doing this. I think we could definitely have a couple more chats. I know every time we chat in person, uh, the tangents and the discussions get more interesting. And you're right. We are living this uh, future of affiliate marketing uh, right now. And things are getting exciting and changing. Yeah. John, thank you, man. Love what you're doing. Uh, I think this is, this is great for the industry. And I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you for tuning in to the Affiliate BI Podcast. I'd like to take this time to ask for a small favor to leave a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us expand our reach to rank higher in podcast directories and reach more listeners.